keeping that right relationship with stuff helps us keep our priorities and perspective focused on our purpose rather than the accumulation of positions or possessions. Purpose to Impact is about so much more than using your talents to do good in the world. It's about unlocking your created ability to use what you've got right where you are to reflect Christ and in doing so to reconnect others to him. That's the real eternal impact we're after. I'm Kendall and I'm so glad you're tuning into the podcast today. We're about to tear down the lies the enemy's trying to build up in our minds about who we are, why we're here, and what we're capable of and we'll proclaim truth about who God has created and called us to be. That'll put us in prime position to answer our higher calling. I'm ready. Are you? Let's do it. Welcome back. Hey. All right, y'all. Last week, we jumped right into the Sermon on the Mount and looking at what it means to be pure in heart so that we can see God and not only that we can see him but that we can be really the lights that lead others to him. In order for us to do that we've got some preparation to do and all that preparation starts in our hearts going line by line through Matthew 6. We started talking about learning to give which opens our hearts, learning to pray, which aligns our hearts with God's heart, and learning to fast, which prunes our hearts from our own will, and it deadens the resistance to God's will, which might not always be in alignment with our will. And so today, we are going to wrap up our study and talk about the last few things that will help us prepare our hearts for purpose and impact. The next thing is learning to keep a right relationship with stuff. This is one of those kind of sneaky things, I think. It's one of those things that when you hear it, when you think about it, it never seems to apply on the surface, right? Like, no one would probably outright identify as being materialistic, I don't think. But really what this comes down to is how we are investing our time and our energy. And when we take a look at that, we'll be able to see really what we are truly in pursuit of. So let's look at it. Going back to Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In thinking about preparing our hearts for purpose and impact, Truly, this passage leads us to examine where our hearts are and we find out where that place is when we look at where our treasures are. Really what that comes down to is what do we prize 
the most? What do we value the most? A good litmus test of that is how we spend our time. Do we spend a ton of time pouring into work? And if so, why? What are we working on? Is it the work itself or is it what we think that work can accomplish or provide for us? There's a big difference between the work that God calls us to do and the results of that and the work that we assign ourselves to in order to gain for ourselves the life that we think we want here on this earth. Ultimately, what this comes down to is working for eternal value, not for earthly value. When we work to secure our or others' place in eternity, instead of working to enrich our lives here on this earth or secure our place in this earth, that's when we know we are truly in pursuit of God's purpose and that eternal impact that he has created us for. But it's hard to keep that purpose in full view and truly make that our pursuit when we don't have the right perspective on possessions. In other words, we have to know that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price that was the life and blood of Jesus himself. And when he paid our ransom, the debt for our sins so that we could have eternal life, in turn, we ought to turn our lives over to him and really take up that mantle, which is the ministry of reconciliation that we've already talked about. It becomes our job, if you will, to reflect him and to reconcile not only ourselves with him, but others with him as well. But when we are in pursuit of stuff, of status, of what this world decides, defines success, then we will miss those opportunities for reconciliation because the stuff that makes up the life of this earth is temporary and rather inconsequential. And we see how much that stuff doesn't matter to God in terms of he doesn't believe that it should be our priority. The pursuit of possessions should not be our priority because God has already made the provision for it, for us. And we see that a few verses later, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But what we have to know is when we can get the right relationship with stuff and not be so focused on acquiring and attaining then we can align ourselves in proper position to be used for God's purpose. Another verse that this one connects to is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. And I like this verse because it pretty much just lays it out flat. It says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. The love of money is something that is another one of those things that I don't know that if people would ever flat out sit, call themselves materialistic or I don't know if people would actually say, oh, I love money. But again, our actions speak louder than our words, right? And so thinking, you know, with that in mind, back in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Love here, the love of money, really is painted more as an allegiance, something that possesses our loyalty and Again, we can see this through our actions, right? If we can show up to work on time, but not quite make it to service on Sunday morning, or if we can rearrange our whole lives and our schedules and jump through hoops to be at work late and take on extra projects, but not have the time to connect with someone or reach out to a new person or teach a Bible study, Those are kind of the things that can be indicators of where our allegiance lies when we prioritize career over our callings to this ministry of reconciliation. This is, yeah, this might not be received too well, but I mean, oh well. Sorry, that was me processing like the doubts in my mind of like, should I even say this? I don't know. Um really it's tough stuff because you know we all have responsibilities we all have stuff to do we've got jobs to work bills to pay kids to feed whatever your responsibilities are right and we do our best to do those things faithfully because bills need to be paid and give our best to ministries or whatever it is that we might be involved with when it comes to what we would dub the things of god the work of the ministry what have you But really, I guess it's the priority, it's the hierarchy of what gets first dibs of our time, of our energy, of our calendars, of our yes. What gets first dibs of that stuff? The motive counts too, right? And we spent a lot of time talking about that last week, that the motivation behind what we give our yeses to, if we are constantly yes, yes, yes at work because... This will give us a good review. This will move us up. This will earn us more. This will advance us up the ladder. This will make us more money, get us a bigger house, pay for whatever. And none of those things are inherently bad, by the way. So I'm certainly not suggesting that. But it's the prioritized pursuit of those things over the other opportunities that God might be nudging us to take in the middle of all that. Like, Remember, he has placed us where we are for a reason. You have the skills you have to have the job and the career that you have. And you work for the company you work for or in the place that you are for a reason. And if there's someone there that God has for you to reach because, hey, guess what? Like, You might be the only one who would cross paths with them right at this particular time in their life like if there's someone 
who is searching and hungry or questioning or whatever you might be in their life for such a time as this to be that light, to share that truth, to be a witness of your experience, of your knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if we are so focused on advancing ourselves in our careers that we don't remember why God has put us where we are, then we might miss those moments to reach those people at these critical junctures in their lives. Of course, this looks different depending on you know who you are and what you do. So my husband gets up, he goes to work with the people, does his job and comes home. For me, it's a lot different because I'm home with little people all day, all week and working from home and doing all that stuff online. So you know, my interactions look very different day to day than his do. And so while our assignments play out differently, the purpose in the heart is still the same. And our positioning is not coincidental or accidental. God for sure puts us knowing the skills, the personalities that we have that he's given us. If we're willing to be led by him, I should say, he will strategically position us to reach certain people who will respond to our personalities and our whatever like people that we can reach that no one else is going to be able to reach because we're in that circle but we have to remember that that is the first and foremost reason why we are where we are and we can be kind of distracted from that responsibility by just real regular life but keeping that right relationship with stuff helps us keep our priorities and perspective focused on our purpose rather than the accumulation of positions or possessions going right along with that is the idea of learning to seek and not to strive This next passage of this chapter talks about not being anxious. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I read this again probably for, I don't know, the 100th time in my life, if not more than that. And I think it really kind of just sunk in for the first time that really what this is trying to tell us is God created the birds and they don't have to earn anything. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't do anything. (laughs) They just are what they are. They find their food as they go about their lives and they're not at all worried about it because the way the world works, it's just, it's there for them. It's just set up and I'm not the animal whisperer, but I'm pretty sure the birds are not at any point like freaking out about what are we going to eat? They just fly around and find it and on to the next, at least the ones that come to my deck trying to pick off of my garden do that they'd seemed rather unbothered and unconcerned of where their next meal is coming from mostly because my children like to feed them and so 
in thinking about that is like if God has it set up so that the birds will always have food from somewhere, be it the crazy toddlers who throw their breakfast out onto a deck or just the naturally growing plants they're going to be taken care of. And if he has it set up for them, how much more when he all he did was speak words to create a bird and all of the different varieties thereof after he took the time to very intentionally very methodically handcraft human beings out of the dust of the earth in all of our intricacy and breathed the breath of life into man and then cultivated a personal relationship and still is seeking to do that with us today if that is the level of attention and care that he has given us from the very beginning there's just no way that he would let us go hungry (laughs) that any of our needs would go unmet because he cares he loves us he sees us and basically he's like look don't even worry about this stuff I got this if I can figure it out for the birds I'm surely not going to let your needs go unnoticed and by the way worrying about it is not going to accomplish anything either. So when we seek him, which is really all he has ever wanted us to do was just being in a loving relationship with him. When we can put everything else aside and truly make that our first priority, then walking in that purpose will position us to not only fulfill that and enjoy our lives but the provision will be there the purpose will be there and the provision will be there and so there's an interesting distinction that's made in verse 32 where jesus says the gentiles seek after all these things thinking about you know what are we going to eat what are we going to drink what are we going to wear like all those cares of life The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that word Gentiles in verse 32, other translations of the Bible use the word idolaters. And I thought that was quite interesting because, you know, idolatry is making a God of something other than God himself. And really what he's saying here is there are people who have made things their gods that's where their loyalty that's where their allegiance lies and that pursuit of those things and those gods that's not what he wants for us we have to let god own our hearts we can't be possessed by a pursuit of possessions when we make things our gods then that's all we will ever have in this life and that is an empty life to live how many people do you know that have all the stuff in the world and just feel so empty and so miserable they have stuff they have money they've got houses they've got whatever Whatever money can buy, they might have it. But do they have peace? Do they have joy? Do they have true love in their life? 
Those are the trade-offs that you have to make because remember, we cannot serve God and money. So when you choose the pursuit of possessions, what you're leaving on the table is the true richness of a life that revolves around the love of God. And in that love comes provision for all of the needs that we could ever have. When our hearts are in the right place, when we have opened our heart to God's will and his purpose through giving, when we've aligned our hearts with his through prayer, when we've pruned our hearts of our own wills and our own desires and anything that might be contrary to God's will and desires through fasting, when we have chosen to seek him instead of seeking after stuff and assigned proper ownership of our hearts, when we've learned to seek him and not to strive for success in the way that this world defines it. All of those things are what go into preparing our hearts for purpose and for impact because ultimately all of this comes down to creating that eternal value, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of those that we are positioned to reach for the purpose of reconciliation with Jesus. As we read on in chapter 7, Jesus is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount and he, in verses 15 through 20, he cautions those who are listening and is talking about trees and their fruit. And he says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And so what we can take from this passage in the context of purpose and impact is just as a tree grows and bears fruit according to its seed, so we bear fruit based on what has been planted and cultivated in our hearts. And when we have done the work to prepare our hearts and make ourselves amenable to being used for God's purpose, then the fruit of that is that impact. It is that eternally lasting value that we nurture and grow not only in our own lives, but in the lives of other people. We can become a source and a resource for the love of God that leads people back to him directly in a reconciling relationship with him. So if it's positive, eternal impact that we are after, if we are wanting to be used by God for his purpose, to advance his kingdom for his glory by his power, then we have got 
to first begin with cultivating our own hearts and preparing that ground so that he can plant in us what those around us are going to need in order to see him and be led back to him. And this is not a one and done process. This is day by day, moment by moment. These four, five-ish things that we have talked about over the last two episodes are really daily disciplines. They're ongoing disciplines that just become a part of our everyday walk with God, giving the prayer, the fasting, the ensuring we keep the right relationship with stuff and that letting go of anxiety and trusting God to provide because we are seeking him instead of striving for stuff or for success. With all of that, we grow closer to him and the closer we are, the better we are able to reflect him to those around us. So I encourage you to go back and study these chapters, read them for yourself, soak them in because the word itself will breathe new life every single time that you open it. And it's worth going back to over and over so that we can really apply it and become more like Jesus' example. Who better to learn from of how to be like Christ than Christ himself, right? And reading his word and seeing the examples from his earthly ministry are some of the best ways to do that. So I encourage you to be prayerful in your own study. Go back and read this. Talk it over with your spiritual leaders and really ask God to help you to apply it in the context that he's put you in for the people that he's positioned you to reach. So on that note, let us close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time of studying your word and getting a deeper understanding of how we can further prepare our hearts to be used for your purpose. Help us, Lord Jesus, to truly seek you over any form of success this world can offer. It is a process to learn or to unlearn our striving tendencies and learn to trust you in place of all of that and I pray for each and every one of us that we would trust you more and more day by day that we would give you opportunities to show up so that we can see your hand at work that we would be able to grow more dependent on you and comfortable in that dependence so that we can be positioned where you need us to be and we can be faithful and diligent in doing the work that you have called us to. Help us, Lord, to honestly and intentionally reflect you in all of our interactions today and help us to let this word soak into our hearts, make it good ground that we would be able to grow more like you and better facilitators of your will and purpose to connect others back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to dig deeper into what we chat about here on the podcast, make sure you're signed up for the weekly devotional. Yes, 
devotional, as in a devotional that you actually do. Every Wednesday, you'll get an email from me highlighting the key points from the week's podcast episode, as well as some practical action items to help you put what we talk about in place. Just what you need, right? Head over to impactinsight.co slash devotional to get in on it. All right, God bless, and I'll meet you here next week.